And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Hey, this is Tony Gapstone of the Brave Maker Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to episode 55. And I have special guest Rajiv Shah. He is a Bay Area actor, writer, and director. And because of shelter in place with everything going on with the coronavirus, even our Bay Area filmmakers are chiming in to record the podcast via Zoom. So the quality of our podcasts are going to be what they are because of the Zoom quality. And we're no longer obviously available or allowed to be meeting in person or in large gatherings. So just know that that's what's going on. There's a couple different drops in the podcast you're about to hear edited together as best I could and ended up being pretty good. Uh, Rajiv is a great resource for people who want to learn the the craft of screenwriting and directing. So make sure you look him up on IMDb and follow him on all of his socials. And just wanted to chime in before the podcast starts. It kind of goes right into it once our intro music comes up. But just want to encourage you to take care of yourselves. This is a really difficult and challenging time. I personally have felt a lot of different emotions, grief and sadness and frustrations, and then a lot of numbness. We have had to let go of a lot of things as Californians and United States citizens and just human beings. People are losing work. People have had to give up film festivals, uh, travel, give up the dreams and hopes of what maybe you're going to be doing later in the year that will not be able to take place because of things that are happening now, financial and economic ramifications. We at Brave Maker are definitely sad to have had to postpone March and April, and it most likely looks like our May Film Festival. We haven't made the official decision yet, but our own city has canceled the 4th of July parade and festivities here in 2020. So that's not um, a good sign. I, I'm not alarmed to think we're going to be in shelter in place through that long, but I think the idea of understanding we as an organization are losing really crucial planning time. Our team is not able to meet. Our filmmakers are wondering, you know, are they going to get on a plane or should they plan on coming in May? And I think at some point we're going to have to make the official call, although we haven't done it yet. I was hoping to wait until April 15th to get a feel of what was happening in culture. And we might still do that, but I would just love your support as we go through this really difficult time. The public gatherings that we offer is a source of support and revenue for us that we're not getting at this time. We've now taken a lot of our stuff online. So we have screenwriting classes, we have filmmaker, actor, and artist, and maker collaboration calls two times a week. We also have our screenwriting class via Zoom. So 
let me encourage you to go to our website at bravemaker.org so you can know you can stay in touch. You can watch free films. If you're not on our mailing list, please go to bravemaker.org and sign up for that because there are a lot of great things happening. So please, please consider how you might support us as a 501c3 nonprofit charity. I know lots of arts organizations and artists are going through difficult times, and we would appreciate your generous uh, giving and donations that are all tax deductible to help us get through this time. But with that, enjoy episode 55 with Rajiv Shah. Thanks for listening. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Creative and getting everybody involved, which is great. Trying to keep creative, trying to, you know, with Brave Maker, offer these connection points and record podcasts. Yeah, it's, but man, it's hard. I mean, what is this, day 11? I'm feeling it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know you got kids, I got kids. It is just like the amount of tension that builds, you know, quickly, right? Like everybody's on a computer trying to do their schoolwork. I'm trying to work. My wife's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Same sort of thing, because uh, my wife, same thing. She's working five days a week. You know, she does, like, social media stuff. And then, like, I'm trying to um, teach my kids the curriculum that was sent from their school. And so, I, I, you know, I try to find time creative early in the morning or late at night, you know. So, dude, tell me. I mean, we're already recording since the, the call started. We'll just jump in. But that's really good to hear. I want to hear, like, your story. I want to hear, like... What what does your life look like as a filmmaker? And and shout out basically to Lisa Keating, yeah, area photographer. She's got a shout out on here on our last episode with Christina Jackson. That's how we connected. Us, yeah, Lisa yeah. and uh, the the meetings where it brings everybody together. So right. thank you, Lisa. We are here because of you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So when I was there, I think last October or December, I forget when it was. It's the first time I'd like first meeting I'd actually been to when we met. So I just happened to know a couple of the people that were there from other film shoots, like, um, uh, you know, so there, it was like, you know, it's just a small community, but it, it was the first time I'd been there too. Wait, so was that the one, the, the rainy day one that they did, they did the, uh, was it Francisco's table read when he read yeah. his play? Yeah, that was the first one. That oh, was that's the first time one. you had been there too? Yeah, first time I've been there too. So it was, oh uh, it was my gosh, I didn't realize that. Okay, so so to back up, Lisa Keating, Bay Area photographer, she has a great crew of people. Once you shoot with her, it's like you get into this family, which is really cool. And for the listeners, if you are an actor or a filmmaker, or you just need a, a great headshot for your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> you should go see Lisa Keating because she will do you right. And so we were at this event in December. I remember it was super rainy. I drove over and Francisco Rodriguez, so shout out to Francisco, who he's been a part of some Brave Maker things. And because of the, the quarantine, we're not sure if we're going to have our film festival at this point. It does not look good. Uh, he was going to be doing a live table read again with his project. So it's super cool. There's all these creative things happening. So I met Rajiv and then I think one of our, our programmers... Robertino met you or saw your film carry tiger to mountain and suggested that you submit it to the film fest. What is, what is yeah. your recollection of how that whole thing went? 
Well, you know, a buddy of mine, Xavier Galindo, who made this really, you know, wonderful short, like had us come on crew. So me and um, Xavier were working together, like teaching filmmaking and, and things. And so he's like, I'm going to make the short. Do you want to work on it? And I said, sure. So that's how I actually met Robert Tino was on that set in San Francisco. It was like a three, four day shoot. You know, he was real cool. Like we, we you know, uh, kind of vibed and, and got along and. Uh, and then I remember him mentioning Brave Baker, like, you know, um, and that's where I was like, oh, and then it, I think it was Nadia Flamenco as well. Yes. And, yeah, um, cool. Well, so Rajiv, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us your story. How did you, bra- we always ask the question, how did you brave your way in the creative industry? What did that look like for you? Well, I, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I grew up here doing, you know, theater. I mean, that's how I, I was, I was an actor. And I was doing a lot of theater. A lot of it was socially driven and very socially conscious and, and edgy. And I mean, I worked with like Campo Santo. Um, you know, I, I studied at San Francisco State. I um, did shows with a lot of different theater, Asian American theater company here, uh, Lorraine Hansberry. And then what happened was as I was like acting, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, as I was getting more into film and getting roles, I wasn't getting roles that I was like really super passionate about, you know, um, so I was like, I, I got to start learning how to write, but it was based around this feeling of, you know, feeling like stuck and not knowing where to go and about, um, you know, uh, really about a, a family coming together again is really what it was about. So I started writing and I picked up a couple of screenwriting books. I taught myself to write over years. I would just do it, you know, rewrite, rewrite. Um, and that script, when I started submitting it to, like initially I was going to, um, and just make it with friends on weekends. And it was going to be like kind of our, our film school and, you know, to make something with um, us in it and, and just to tell the story. And it was always about the story. Um, we submitted it to some competitions and started winning. And we were like, Oh, wow, this is, you know, something very new for us. And what ended up happening is when we won a couple of them, it, it, it got to an agency called William Morris Endeavor. Um, and the director who had come on board had just, it was like all these things culminating. We were winning these awards and then he won the, the student DGA award and the student Academy award. Um, and so there was this meeting at WME where it was, you know, just kind of like more mentor like and an agent there named Mike Simpson um, took to the idea. And it was kind of one of these classic stories where he was like, you know, it was like the meeting was on a Friday and he was like, you know, can I read it over the weekend? I'll get back to you on Monday. And we thought we'd never hear from him, you know, and he got back to us on Monday and said, I love the script. Um, do you mind if I, I pass it to a producer that I work with? And, you know, we said, of course. And um, this producer had just come off of uh, Django Unchained and she read it and came aboard. And then we were a go. And I, I didn't realize how fortunate we were, you know, um, from when she came on board to I think within about six months we were shooting. I mean, we were on set. So, I mean, that turnaround was really fast for, for run the tide. And all of a sudden I was, you know, I found that I had this like writing career going where people were seeking me out, you know, do writing assignments. And, um, and, you know, I found this real love for writing that, you know, like I have a love for acting, but writing is, you know, so private and and you kind of enter worlds in a lot of ways. So, and so that's, that's what happened. I, I wrote that, um, had that incredible sort of experience where it, got out, you know, uh, uh, was released theatrically in the U.S. and um, on VOD and everything, and then had worldwide distribution. Um, 
And then I said, Oh, you know, like that was something I continue to write. And I was like, I want to start directing too. So I, I directed a short Carrie Tiger to Mountain. And that's kind of where, where I am now. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. So your first feature film, Run the Tide. Yeah. The very first thing that you write, you get an agent and you basically sell the script and the film gets made. That's super rare. Yeah. It is. And I, I didn't, I mean, like I was always kind of working with the intention of let me just tell the story that I had in my gut, you know, and I, I never even envisioned or, you know, necessarily was aiming for that. I was I, really, I wanted a vehicle so I could act in it. And, and, and that role that I was going to act in actually ended up being played by Taylor Lautner. And so I played a, a supporting role in it. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm so thankful for that experience because I, I, I mean, it was incredible to see it come to life and having these really amazing um department heads and 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 artists like come together to interpret it but you know it also you know just speaking really frankly i mean it was my first script so i mean like what was there i feel is like you know that sort of intentionality and that voice was there and and i think that's what mike responded to it's what everybody responded to but you know it's a learning process and you know there were certain things that uh, blessing and curse wise like uh, you know the voice is there and there's like you know talent that's there but i also made mistakes that you know first time you know writers make uh, you know a lot so um but i'm incredibly grateful for it and i, I realize how uh, rare that is uh you know um to have that experience but um yeah it was you know i got to see you know from now keep in mind when 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 mike and 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 pilar and and the whole team came together to make it you know, it was probably eight, nine years into the process. Like, wow. you know, it was writing, rewriting another producer who was, who was lovely and, and barrier based actually had, um, uh, optioned it. So for a year and a half, we collaborated and there was like other stars at that time that were attached. And then that didn't happen and it reverted back to me and I just kept working on it. So it was one of those sort of things where it wasn't like overnight. It was like really like an eight, nine year period. It was, it was a long time. So those uh, those listeners who have not seen the film Run the Tide, you should check it out. This was in 2016, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, so it's yeah. That's when it finally got out there. December. You had you've been writing that for nine years before it actually got distribution. It, yeah, I mean, I was I was coming out of college. Like I I left college. I came back to the Bay Area. You know, I was doing you know different roles. But then you know, as any artist knows, you know, and, and, you know, you get acting roles and then it kind of slows down. And, you know, so during those periods, I'd feel stuck. I'd be like, you know, I just graduated from college. I have this theater degree. I don't know exactly what to, you know, kept me connected and, and, and learning something new. And that's always what I try to do is like learn new things. And, and so writing was that, and it just, you know, I think through the theater and, and I love reading, you know, there was always an affinity for writing. So congratulations, just a great testament to how much time and patience this industry takes. Uh, overnight successes always take 10 or 20 years. <laughs> but you have a feature film out in the world. That is, and Taylor Lautner, now, those who don't know that actor, he was famous for Twilight. He played, I forget the name of the character, but he played the werewolf guy. Jacob Black. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob Black, the werewolf. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that, so you got him at a time when he was really hot. Like he was a major 
player and presence in the industry. Super cool. Yeah. And it tells you how fast the industry changes. I mean, things just change. I, I mean, you know, I talk sometimes with people that were involved in the project and now like making, trying to make that movie, the small heartfelt independent film, it's a lot. I think it would have to, what that film was, I, you know, it was just kind of, I think at the right time, you know, um, when it came, but it's, you know, but it's, it's, it was really always for me about story and it was always about, you know, expressing, you know, that, 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 that part of me. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never was working towards, Oh, I'm going to sell this. And like, you know, I'm going to get like reps out of it or like, you know, what have you. It was never that. It was always just like, I have the story to tell. And I feel really connected to it because I was going through similar things, you know? So you said you learned something through making mistakes. What are some of the things that you learned? Yeah. You know, I, I when I look back at it, you know, you always kind of come at the, the experiences I have now because of run the time and the experiences I have now because of Carrie top perspective at that time. And, and, you know, like uh, things I learned as far as from it is just kind of what it was, was you keep working and you keep going to it. You, you know, and I think one of the things is also just, uh, you know, being kind to yourself as an artist, as far as where you are in the process, you know? So I think looking at it as a process is, 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 is a way to um, go about it too, rather than here's just this fixed result. And that is all something. Yeah. So now, that you're at this place. We'll get to carry tiger to mountain. Cause that's the most current piece. And we're going to screen that for our audiences Sorry. online and then do a, an interactive discussion with people like this, which is pretty cool. Uh, how, what does life look like for you now? You're a Bay area maker, but you have representation in LA and yet you're still working and living in the Bay area. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it's, it's, it's the creative part is always the same, no matter where you are. So, I mean, like for, for writers, I think it's, it's pretty good because you can write anywhere and then I'll like turn in drafts and most of the stuff that I, you know, do and have like a lot of uh, people that are part of the team that I work with are all still in LA. I'm the only one that's here, like Carrie Tiger we made in, in LA. So, you know, there's a lot of with, you know, uh, a lot of these you know, new technologies and outlets, you can stay in contact and it's not as imperative. I mean, I go down there for meetings and things like that. So, I mean, not a whole lot of change. This is great. I can be here and, you know, be close to my family as well, which, mm -hmm. you know, keeps me also creatively very plugged in and engaged to the type of work that I do. So, um, you know, I love it. I mean, sometimes I, you know, I was telling Lisa that I can feel like a little, um, you know, can feel isolated here because it's, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's a creative place, but it's, it's so tech driven. It's not necessarily like yeah. film, you know, theater driven. So that can be, um, challenging. And so that's why, you know, meeting Lisa and meeting you, uh, yeah. I've met other people who I'm, you know, amazed by that. I'm going, Oh, you guys are doing really incredible work. Um, and I always say, find your tribe. And, and that's really something that here it took me a lot longer, <laughs> you know, for some reason, sure. even though I'm from up here to find a tribe of people that are really, um, enjoy working with and enjoy their work and just enjoy them as people. But, um, so that's, I feel like, you know, coming together more now is, is, is that tribe up here, even though, you know, my, my tribe's always been in, in, in LA and, you know, as far as making films and, and things. So, um, you know, that part, I love it. I feel like it's a, a merger of, of the best of both worlds. So regards your, with your writing right now, talk about yeah. like, what are you, like, are you doing writing assignments? Are you writing stuff on spec? 
How how are you Both. making a living as a as a screenwriter filmmaker? Both, kind of all of the above. I mean, so I've done writing assignments. I've done um, book adaptations for you know publishing houses. Um, I've done writing assignments for independent producers. Um, I just completed one uh, for an independent producer now too. Um, and then um, I'm also writing on spec. So I have one called Blood in the Rye, which is this. Uh, uh, courtroom mystery legal drama that uh, we're going to start taking out. Really cool, fantastic! So, yeah. yeah, that's exciting, man. So that's great. I love, I love that there's Bay Area people like yourself who are doing things that are really making some waves and getting some movement and momentum. That's sort of for Raymaker. That's one of the reasons why I started it. Is I get to go to LA a lot too. I love it. I love LA, but my family is rooted here in the Bay area. I, I, you know, I love the Bay area and the pace and the culture. And I'm, I want to break into that tech space because there is a lot of resources here, but we like the tech community doesn't see films as, um, you know, a, like a, like a bullseye. We're not really on their radar in regards to where they want to put their money, but I think we could get there. I think, you know, yeah. people are willing to spend thousands, if not millions of dollars on an app. If that dies, it dies. Why wouldn't they want to invest into a person, a filmmaker, a story, an art that lives on, you know, even because, yeah, maybe it won't make its money back. We want it to. But those stories are able to impact culture, whereas a startup or an app just, you know, it's a grave. It's dead. It's done, you know. So right. I'm, I'm hoping that more people in the tech industry see what's happening and value the arts, especially now everyone's consuming arts, right? With this COVID-19 shelter in place. That's Auto, all, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, like uh, always finds a way that, you know, no matter what happens, I mean, throughout history, right. Like, you know, uh, societally challenges happen and, and people go to movies, go to art, go to, um, communication and stories. So I, I completely agree. I think you're seeing that in, in, in tech things now too. I mean, like that Google ad that played during the Super Bowl has a real story, story about the old, I don't know if you saw it with the, sure. but the, you know, and, and, you know, this idea towards personal storytelling that yep. fits in within kind of corporate, yep. um, you know, ideas or, or through lines. Um, but, you know, I think that's what's happening. I think you're bridging that, which is great because I've, I don't know how, that is either my parents have worked in high tech and a lot of people I know have been heavily steeped in the tech industry. And I, I find the same thing is like, how do you bridge that, you know, creative storytelling film part and, you know, this incredible opportunity that's here in the Bay area with um, technology and growth. And, and so I think maybe that's, you know, finding that, but you know, it's, yeah. it's a great place. I mean, we've seen all like, all the great brands, I think, really get that in the way that they market their products because of the storytelling element. Commercials are so radically different now than they were 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago, 30, because it's more about how does this thing make you a better person? How does it impact your life and change us as people? And so I think, yeah, I think marketers and companies would be wise to invest in storytellers as part of their ecosystem like we we because we're drawn to it i love watching commercials that are great like that i love really engaging in sometimes the 
the marketing and branding that's happening, you know, in the commercial space of a show I'm watching because they're usually pretty good, you know. So that's kind of an exciting thing to uh, to be in. And I think that's that's the thing, right? Engagement and this idea of emotionality and that too. I, like you know, tech can be seen sometimes as a little unemotional and I, sure. I find that when it really bridges that like you know it's telling stories and it's it's saying something very human like somehow you know that 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 gap is 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 dropped and those connections can happen so yeah yeah i still trying to find them here so <laughs> we will so let's talk about carry tiger to mountain so this short film is one that you wrote and directed. It's been making some rounds in festivals. And I feel like it's a really cool, timely story for this pandemic time. Uh, I, I watched it and felt like this emotional resonance with the story you were trying to tell and the family that you were depicting here. So without giving it too many spoilers, we'll, we'll put... Um, so we're going to have a password-protected link perfect yeah brave makers to be able to watch this film and then we're going to have a zoom call with rajiv uh next week on april 7th and 8th so if you are listening to this we'll put this out on march uh 27th so this is going to go out on friday march 27th so you've got eight days seven eight days a week to watch rajiv's film and then meet Rajiv to hear him talk about the making of it. And maybe, maybe we're going to have an actor. Maybe. And, and some okay. co-writers actually. And some co-writers. Some co-writers. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah. So April 8th is a Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific daylight time. And then Thursday, April 9th, 7 p.m. Pacific daylight time. We'll spend an hour zooming with Rajiv and some people who worked on this film. So tell us, give us the pitch for Carrie Tiger to Mountain. Well, Carrie Tiger to Mountain is a dramatic short about a um, aging jazz musician who's terminally ill, who has been, um, you know, forming this close relationship with a caregiver, and that puts him at odds with a estranged daughter who is trying to essentially care for him, but um, you know, gets in the way of, you know, his process and what he wants towards the end of his life. So it's a, it's about the family challenges that come up with caregivers and families and, you know, whenever anybody's facing, you know, end of life decisions and, um, and choices. So, and it's really about a guy that wants to live the way that he wants, you know, he, he, he wants to, um, kind of go in the way that he lived, you know, and, 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 um, so it's, it's about a, about the family dynamic that happens within that. And a lot of my work, you know, deals with, with family. I lost you. Uh, yeah. So that's Carrie Tiger and Mountain. Rajiv, can you start over when you said a lot of my work deals with, I think you said deals with family. You cut out after that. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. A lot of my work, you know, it, it, it fits with a lot of the work that I do, which is about family. I, I, I work a lot and about families who are going through hardship and, and that ultimately through that hardship, find, um, love and, and, um, a way forward, you know, um, it's not always what we imagine, but sometimes the things that happen are, are for, you know, our, our best benefit, you know, moving forward and growing as people. So, um, yeah. Oh man, I love that. That is awesome. 
the feature film I'm working on right now, I would pretty much describe it in that same way. So we need to talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I knew I, we were connected when we met and, yeah, and the dude. type of work you're doing. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love the way you described that the, the differences we experience as, as family and what challenges or pain might be a thorn in our side tend to help us move forward in a different way than we would have expected. That's exact. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's so, so good. Uh, maybe that's why I liked your film so much too. But there was, something, <laughs> there was something else that really got me, maybe because my senses are really heightened right now during the pandemic and how we are talking as a culture about the virus, particularly around the subtle or maybe not so subtle aggressive race, racial violence against people in the Chinese community based on the fact that it has been called the Chinese virus many times, especially by the president. So this film, Carry Tiger to Mountain, features the, an Asian family that's caring for this Caucasian man. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. I mean, it's not pronounced at all in the film that this no, is an issue, no. but I was really aware of the dynamics between two ethnic groups. Well, I, 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 I'm glad you, I mean, it's not so, I, I'm not such a political person. I mean, I have my, my views and, and it was something that I, you know, was worked in the film. Now, the guy that plays Tao, who's a lovely actor, Jesse Wang, he's a co-writer on this. So initially him and Rob Berg had wrote, um, carried, at that time it was called The Yao Tao and had brought it to me to direct. And then we all collaborated on, on writing. And, and so as a director, you know, with this sort of, interesting tension between Miriam, the daughter, and Tao, the caregiver, um, you know, I wanted to visually heighten that. And that's why you see the American flags throughout the film a lot and, and the representation of what um, Solomon, the jazz musician, is who's welcomed this family into his home, who's cared for him, and Miriam, who has this um, subtle sense of, a, maybe not even subtle, but like she feels like this house belongs to her and her father belongs to her, which is a totally normal and valid feeling too. I mean, that's, um, but I, I think it comes out in very, you know, harsh ways, but yeah, there is that, that sort of tension that's in there, but it's not something I ever wanted to, you know, talk about and like, or make it very overt, but it's something that, you know, you've picked up on. And I think, you know, a lot of people have picked up on. And interestingly enough, people that have seen it around, sometimes it gets under people's skin a little bit, like they can't, necessarily but there's that that tension that runs through it between them you know as somebody who has dealt with the end of life wishes for a loved one and been through the settling of a will that really got personal for me too knowing that how much investment a family has around the death of a loved one when there are odds right when people are at odds even in the most healthiest of family when things start being divvied up whether it's houses or money or whatever, people can get really territorial. And I thought this film really did that well, like talking about that and the stakes were really high, but you added the element of a non-biological, non-blood family that was tied into this aging man and what that did to the biological daughter. So yeah, when I was watching it, I felt all different streams, you know, for me were connected personally but I, I, the, the phrase that really got me thinking about the racial insensitivities that we're living in right now, you know, I'm reading articles about 
Asian people being spit upon, you know, saying, you know, the Chinese virus and people who are getting like the stink eye in grocery lines when they cough if they're Asian, all that stuff just really felt like, wow, like humbling and convicting when in your film we see this, you know, Caucasian woman feeling threatened by an Asian family caring for her father, even using the words, you people, you know, like we, wow. So just really well done for that. And I hope when we have our conversations with our audience, that could be something that we could talk about and go, Hey, how is this relevant? What are we doing about that in our culture? How do we address that when we see these racial aggressions happening toward people? Yeah. And, and it's really, I mean, I, I never, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that was in the film and it's kind of caught the sort of the time here. But I mean, I, you know, being from the Bay Area and hearing this is happening in, in San Francisco too, it's, it's, you know, interesting how much of it has been latent and this is allowed uh, and has been emboldened by our president in a lot of ways to come out, which is scary. I mean, I, I find it to be very scary and it's dehumanizing and that's yes. not, you know, like, um, I don't know how we kind of get there. I mean, like you can kind of, but you know, that's another person and, 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 but socioeconomic racial sort of biases kind of come in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully, you know, if, um, where, you know, Jesse can join us, I don't know, maybe he might have experiences about that too, but I mean, you know, I, I read on social media and, you know, friends that I have, I'll, I'll see on Facebook, they'll talk about certain things that have happened. And I'm like, wow, it's like, it's, it's just a whole new, scary and, and, and really, yeah. So hopefully the arts can, you know, put things out that, you know, kind of reframe that and really bring it back towards something that's um, more about love and enlightenment and, and moving forward, you know? Yeah. That's one thing I love about the arts and being an artist is how stories create empathy, how stories help us see what life is like in somebody else's shoes and skin. And so, yeah, anything you want to, I'd love you to share about that as a person of color and hear how your ethnic heritage influences you as a storyteller. Well, I'm, I'm mixed with a lot of things. So, you know, I never really always felt like, you know, part of, one group which is great because as an artist I'm able to I feel like go into different skins like as far as the characters and there's not that sort of um I, I try to look at it always from that kind of human what's motivating somebody as a human and even in Carrie Tiger you know where the daughter has certain things that are kind of harder and harsher about her to me you know when I approach it and Denise Grayson who's the actress that plays her is, is fabulous and you know, we kind of always kept talking about here are these kind of ugly things she's doing, but um, where's that coming from? And for us, it was more about not having that connection with her father, right? Not having that love. And so that house is really not about the money. It's not about that sort of, it's really her trying to bridge that gap in the relationship with her father. So, you know, tying it back to your question, not totally being part of all these groups, but having exposure to, to, to all of them of what I am has allowed me, I think, as a, as a writer to um, slip into different voices and characters without judging them in, in that way, you know? So I try to, you know, go into characters where you have an antagonist, but somehow you can maybe identify or understand them on some level. You may not agree with them, but you go, oh, I can see where that's coming from. 
because really at the end of the day, even, you know, you know, we're all human, wherever the sort of motivations are coming from or how it's coming out, you know, and I think there's a capacity for growth. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I've really always uh, loved the advice when you talk about for actors that don't judge your, your own character, right? If you're playing a character that makes some bad decisions, you can easily get into this place. Well, I'm the villain, right? But you know, even the villain thinks that she is doing things for a reason, for right reasons, potentially, or for just reasons. So yeah, I love that. That's a great perspective as a writer and as a director to work with your actors. Cause in this, in this film, I'll, I'll tell you what, there was times when I was soft toward her. I felt for her and I liked her. And other times I was like, Ooh, she bristled me. Right. But that's the beautiful nuance about being human. We're not fully good. We're not fully bad. We're this mix of so much inside. So yeah, that was good. That was well done. I liked, and I, and I, and I didn't expect to, where it was going to go too. I liked that too. I thought it was going to go a different direction and you know, had me engaged like that. So make sure if you're listening, you watch Carry Tiger to Mountain. We're going to be posting the password protected link in our uh, subscriber email. If you're not subscribed to our email, go to bravemaker.org. And within a few seconds, a pop-up box will come and just slip your email in there and you'll get it right in your inbox. So you can talk to Rajiv and ask him questions about the story and engage with this. Anything else you want to say about making this short film, Rajiv? Talking about how long it took or anything else you learned from making it? It took a couple of years. I mean, like, um, as far as... I, I learned a whole lot. I mean, like, uh, coming to it as a director is very different than as a writer and just learning to engage with different department heads. And, you know, really, I feel like creating a space where everybody can risk um, was something that... Um, was important to me and, and being able to, to, to listen to, you know, people that had really great experience themselves and, and letting that kind of amalgamate into what, what the film film became. So, um, you know, learning from there, it was interesting because, you know, run the tide was such a different sort, you know, it was a feature, it was a much larger thing and uh, everybody is so compartmentalized. It was great to come back to Carrie Tiger where it was really, creative and you the roles kind of bled over a little bit and you kind of do everything you got to to to, to make your passion project right so um you know uh, there were a lot of things i learned i think the one thing is, is 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 to listen to the people you collaborate with to select the right people who have similar and different sensibilities but to hear um, where they're coming from and then you, you kind of take and things that you know can can elevate and, and help the project and, and and make those decisions but i, I love directing i mean uh, you know hopefully uh, get the opportunity to do, do it again was that your first time directing well no, i directed a very sh- small like before any of this like i was i remember i was in la i did there was a two-person crew i did a, a very small short like prosumer camera we like you know, didn't really even have sound. I mean, like we, we just were trying to tell a story and, and it got into some festivals. So that, that was like my first, first, but that was like, you know, really just kind of run and gun gorilla style. This, this was my first, I consider it my first. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well done, man. All right. Well, let's do, we'll do our, uh, our little quick answer round here at the end, just right. like a short, you know, few sentences or, or, or word, even if you want, but what made you cry recently? Uh, <laughs> uh, cry. Um, 
I, my son had this uh, assignment he had to do for school where he had to write a letter to somebody in the house and three things that they, uh, he appreciated about them, but he, he kept saying he's getting tired of like doing all these assignments himself. So he said, if you're going to, uh, if I got to do this for somebody, you got to do one for me too. So I, I sat down and I wrote three things and I won't go into what they, but that like looking at it and looking at, and it really was about before I'd had them and where I am now that, you know, um, call me a softy and a <laughs> schmaltzy guy, but that, that made me tear up. I'll dig that, dude. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. emotions. That's great. That's a great thing to practice. Anybody should be doing that right now. If you're cooped up at home, write a little gratitude letter to yourself. Write some list of things you appreciate in life. That's huge. All right, what are you what are you watching or what are you binging, especially now during shelter in place? Tiger King and not <laughs> Tiger. You watch it. This thing is amazing. I was like, I what was cheering. And I, I was like, it's true. I mean, this is all true. And like, you couldn't. Those characters are so broad and distinct and they're real and i'm like this is amazing i'm like my mouth is like just totally agape and wide open and i'm like you know but I, that one i love that yeah you love it too yeah, netflix show i feel like i went to high school with half of these people considering all the mullets that they have going on in there <laughs> where, where are you from by the way are you are you from i'm, Florida? From, I'm from illinois but illinois, okay. but, but it feel i felt like i went to a high school that was like super in the, the boonies there was like 400 people in our whole school I graduated with like 60 people and I swear half of them, I felt like I was in a different world because we had like, you know, one stoplight in this town and there was farms everywhere. So I really resonate with some of the the characters. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wild. I have to turn it off because sometimes I'm like, this, this is getting under my skin. Like, wow, it's so crazy. All right. That's good. Um, Where, where are you from? Where were you born? Uh, Right here in the Bay area. So I was born in Stanford, California. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right here home. I, I mean, I lived in London for a while. I lived in LA for eight and a half, nine years. And so, you know, I've been a lot of places, but uh, back home. And who are your influences or mentors, names of people who inspire you dead or alive? Uh, well, I, one of my favorite filmmakers is uh, 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 Koreeda Hirakazu. He's a Japanese filmmaker, makes small, quiet character-driven family films that are just incredibly beautiful. Um, I love Coppola, James Gray, um, uh, you know, uh, mentors. I, I mean, Denise Grayson, who was in the film, she's very much her and um, Robert Forrester, who was her late partner, were um, mentors to me and they were fabulous. Um, so, and the thing I, I, I learned from them, from Denise and Robert, and then also, you know, the type of work that I like is this... Um, idea of connection to what you do and this this idea of uh, being humble and authentic you know that that's the one thing I, I really like as I move forward I meet people in, in the industry and um, connect with is this authenticity whatever we, we may be different but there's a real sort of authentic um, you know side to them and uh, so and, and just be yourself you know that's that's what I feel like I did with writing run the tide and for better or worse, you know, all of my work, people, you know, whether they love it or hate it. I mean, that's, that's, that's me. So just being authentic. Right on. Yeah. For brave maker audiences, that's what we're trying to be about too. Just be who you are. You have a story to tell the world needs your story. Brave stories change the world. So be that story. That's great. And I I have to commend you because like, you know, going to, uh, see, uh, Miss Virginia and like the works that you're doing, that's where I really, 
resonated. I was like, oh, you know, the type of work you're putting out is is like that. And I think it's it's, it's super important and it's entertaining and it's also connective, which is yeah. amazing. So I'm right glad on. to be here. I really am glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Rajiv. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find you on social? What's your handles? Uh, Rajiv Goshaw. Um, uh, so that's on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Rajiv Goshaw. You'll find, you know, a page there. Um, but yeah, and go. So some people go, what's with the go in the middle? Like, uh, is it go? That's actually my middle name. Oh, no nice. G-O is my middle. And I was like, kind of embarrassed about it for a long time because, you know, be on my, like, go, but that's my middle name, go. So, I like that move. Forward. And I like, and then that's exactly, I'm like, now I'm, yeah, you got to go and you got to move and can't wait around. You got to go. Train's moving. Did you get some input from parents about the backstory with that? Is that familial? Is that, was that just fun? Was that have some meaning cultural? Yeah, well, no, well, you know, uh, for my mom in, in China, my, so my mom's Chinese last name is Wu, but when she's in the Philippines, apparently go is the equivalent to that or something. So go is just, uh, you know, a name for another way of saying Wu, but, um, yeah. It's just, yeah, there's, there's no other, yeah, kind of like, you know, they weren't trying to be cool or anything, but it's cool and I've embraced it, but it's, it's. I dig it. I dig it. Um, So awesome. We're going to put all of those links in the show notes for you to connect with Rajiv Shaw. So yeah, connect (laughs) with Rajiv Shaw on all the the, uh, socials. Click on our show notes and you'll find that and more about this film. Don't forget April 7th and 8th, 2020. You can meet Rajiv in a Zoom call and some of his crew and or cast. And we're excited about that. So, hey, thanks, Rajiv, for being on the Brave Maker podcast. Episode Thank 55. You. Oh, there we go. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bravemaker, Inc. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.